Welcome to OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. We have talked about Zooming and homeschooling and distance learning on this program before. Um, I think everyone is feeling a little bit of Zoom fatigue, whether that is at your work or if you are raising children at their school or if you're a teacher or if you're a student. Um, this is a little different and it's starting to wear on a lot of people. We have uh, with us tonight an interesting guest whose job is this, it's educational technology. Um, I read an article that he wrote in the link this past Shabbos and thought, let's, uh, let's talk to the guy. So please welcome my friend, Rabbi Patinsky. Rabbi Steve Patinsky, welcome to OU Live. Thank you, David. Um, nice to be here. <laughs> I, I wish I, I wish we were here somewhere. I see you're in a, a beautiful base medrash somewhere. Well, uh, that is my bookcase from my living room, but actually I'm in my back porch right now. The magic of Zoom, I can be anywhere. You really, it's the best of both worlds. You, uh, you get to let people know that you're well-read and, uh, and that you have a uh, good taste in, uh, in Svarim, but you're actually hanging out on your porch, living your best life. Yeah, it's nice. Um, this is a Twitter account now rating people's uh, backgrounds because everyone's everyone's doing Zoom, the politicians, the celebrities. Yeah. Um, you see them to psych psychoanalyze people's backgrounds. Yeah, based on the books they have on their bookshelf. Based on the books, or sometimes the art, the aesthetics, the you know what you know. The type of art they they select. I don't know. There's a, there's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. No, I could have, people. I could <laughs> have chosen. I could have chosen a bunch of bookshelves that I have, but I chose this one. Um, so something about that. <laughs> right. Why the Svarim? You're the uh, <laughs> you're the tech rob. So uh, I want to see the more nerdy books. But anyway, <laughs> enough about backgrounds. The reason you're here, the reason we're having you on, is you are the director of EdTech at Yeshivat Frisch right here in lovely northern New Jersey. Um, you're, you probably have a lot to say about <laughs> the current matzah and people who are spending a good amount of time on Zoom. You wrote something nice people can pick up um, in the link this last week about Zoom fatigue, um, why people are getting fatigued, evolutionary explanations, and, and, and five great tips on how to combat it. Um, but I'd, I'd love to know just Starting at the starting at the top, what is the director of EdTech? Well, let and me start. How does one become one? Yeah. Um, well, let me start with uh, how I how I started way back when when my beard was uh, not gray, and maybe I had a little bit more hair. Um, I was a rabbi, still in Yeshivat Fresh, back when we were in our old Alterheim um, on Fresh Court. And I taught Gemara, and I taught Chumash, Navi, and obviously, as, as any Rebbe who really wants to make a difference, I was trying to reach my students in every way possible. And I found that certain, certain kids, if you, if you took them back then, you had to take them to the computer room. There was no such thing as everyone having a computer. And you gave them projects back in the ancient dark ages of the internet, they could do things that they could never imagine, and they could reach an audience that was just so much broader and wider 
um, than they could otherwise. So I like, for example, we were learning Gemara and I was going into lots of different methods and how to learn Gemara with a ninth grade class. And I said, for our culminating project, you're making a website, which was a very big deal back then. You had to make it on a place called GeoCities. GeoCities, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> there was it? a lot of mourning, uh, like three or four years ago when yes, they fired Yes, me. yes, yes, Baruch Hashem, my website was taken over by something called GeoCities.ws. Um, it was a learn how to learn Gemara website. If you were teaching other ninth graders how to learn, what would you do? And they put in graphics and they put in stuff. And I realized that I, I had a project where it wasn't just the 25 Tamidim and Tamidot in my shir that were involved. There were kids coming in during their lunches. There were kids cutting class to come to my class to help code this website. Um, and I said, that's really amazing because they realized that, you know, back when I was a kid, so if I wanted to reach an audience, I didn't really have a way to do it. Maybe I could write to the newspaper and hope that they publish it without taking out all the good parts. Um, I could announce the play-by-play -play at Madison Square Garden during a Knicks game and pretend like I was the real announcer, but who was listening to me? But you now had a cell phone, so literally nobody, just the people. Nobody, next to you. just the guy next to me who was really annoyed that I was doing <laughs> Please it. Please stop. Please <laughs> stop. But like now, like even 20 years ago, and especially now, so I have kids doing pay-by-play for the Frisch Cougars, who have hundreds of people, thousands of people watching live. Um, the basketball games. And they could be doing that with teaching Gemara. They could be doing that, quote unquote, we don't like this term now, but you can make something online and go viral and have 30 million uh, people. An insensitive term right I'm now. sorry, I'm sorry. And have 30 million people watching you. So that could be done, obviously, for all the, the stuff that people are doing now on social media that is neutral to maybe not so good. But that could also be a tremendous positive. And so that, that was really how I fell in love with technology. My role now is basically to help the teachers and students at Frisch to utilize technology in meaningful ways for education. So that, must that was my role until about two, three months ago. Right. So, <laughs> so three months ago, you were helping, helping people figure out smart boards and how to incorporate maybe Google Classroom. I don't know what they use it for. Yeah, Google or some other learning management system and other platforms. all that good stuff. Yeah. Right. That was, that was your job description. And then the, uh, the world was set on fire. Um, and <laughs> all, of your, all of your teachers are teaching via Zoom. Yes. They are using technology in ways that they yeah. were never equipped to do. So I'm curious, how has your job changed in the past? Yeah, so, so, so really I became the support in a way for all the teaching and learning going on in Fresh because it used to, you know, I, I believe strongly in good education. So I love technology. I think it's a tremendous enhancer for a lot of people in a lot of classrooms in a lot of ways. There are certain things obviously every teacher needs to do like take attendance using technology or report card grades or posting homework. But if a teacher was a compelling teacher without tech, and they did the administrative stuff, so you kind of leave them alone. They're great at what they do. But now, when we're in quarantine, so you move this back 20, 30 years, and these teachers would have been giving worksheets to go home with. But now the only way to have this virtual classroom, to keep teaching and learning the way that we in Yeshiva at Frisch and all the other Yeshivas day schools value, is through the technology. So it's become from an important enhancer to an essential piece of the learning for every single teacher and every single student. It's indispensable. There's and uh, and I'm sure you have a lot of teachers who 
in the best of times would kind of push back, and now they, they can't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Baruch Hashem, we have a great faculty in Frisch, and within three days, we were fully online with every single teacher, both from the young, super with it, techie, they, they're digital natives, as we call them, to the immigrants and the people who might still be from the old country. I've not um, heard uh, digital immigrants yet, but I like yes, that. Yes, yes. So, I, I, because everyone knew that ultimately our goal, our love, if we're in Jewish education, is to reach our students. And if the only way to do that in our socially distant time is through the technology, then we're all in. You know, some of it will be harder than others, but you know, that's where I come in. You know, I'll support you any way you need to, but you have to be all in and thank God we are because we, because we feel like this is, you know, failure. As they said in Apollo 13, um, when they, the famous line, I, I don't remember exactly, it probably wasn't the real line, but when they say this could be our greatest failure, um, when they're worried that the plane, is, that the ship is going to burn up in the atmosphere, and then the mission commander says, no, I think this is going to be our greatest success. You know, failure is not an option. So we're, we're doing it and we're, we're, we're reaching kids and we're trying our best every possible trick we have using technology and otherwise to, to keep the learning going. So let me ask you for parents of Frisch kids, but also parents of not Frisch kids, every, everyone who has kids in school is watching this is uh, struggling. Um, I'm going to say that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone's giving each other high fives. Um, yeah. Uh, I saw a friend of mine on Facebook post, you know, I, that the, this guy, I, I myself am in education, my wife is in education, we are very technologically inclined, uh, they only have one kid or two kids, so that, and with all of the variables, kind of all the boxes ticked in the right, uh, all the check boxes ticked in the right direction, it's still bad, like my kid's still disengaging, so I can't imagine um, only one parent at home having to do work, having too many kids, having kids who are not digitally inclined. So I think even even the you know savviest of us are struggling. Our kids are struggling. I know my kids um, at different ages. Uh, so the older ones can sit in front of Zoom. What are uh, the younger ones? It's just uh, yeah, forget about it. Uh, what are strategies? What are what are tips? How can uh, parents enable their kids to yeah. make the most of this? Yeah, I think it's really hard. I mean, obviously, you know, some of our kids are doing even well in the situation. Certain kids who had anxiety about school, um, but that that's obviously a small minority. Then they're the middle ground, and they're and doing okay. Introverts, actually, can I, I just want to yes. pause because I, I have an introvert. I have I'm a so daughter like that, and she loves I, it. One of my daughters. Not, the other ones hate it, so it's not everyone. <laughs> So this this took me a while into into lockdown to realize. Yeah. I thought like for the introvert this was going to be the greatest time ever. She could just like buckle down and read and and ignore people. And when I realized, and I'm only saying this uh, because someone out there might benefit from this, it took me a while to realize that she actually needs the social interaction. And because she's such an introvert, she can't ask for it. Um, yeah. So we had to start setting up Zoom play dates for her. Um, that you know. She wasn't going to articulate that, that she's missing that from her own life. I'm sorry I cut you yeah. off, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. a so weird sorry. interplay. It's a weird interplay, but but the uh, you know the majority of the kids don't like it, and some of them are really struggling, obviously. So one there, I think there are two different things at play with the struggling for all of us. 
Um, one is more evolutionary based on who we are as human beings. And the other is more who have we, we have become at least in the last couple hundred years. Um, so let me- Microevolution. Yeah, yeah, I guess microevolution. So, so first of all, we are, we are social beings. We are naturally attuned, most of us, obviously there's a, there's a smaller part of the spectrum that may be less so and they, they have to be taught this, but most of us are naturally attuned to even the silent interactions of others, you know, eye language, body language, the way people move, the way people look. If someone is looking intently at you, you know they're paying attention to your conversation. Um, if someone is looking away, you start to wonder, Maybe they don't really care, or maybe they're shifty. Um, obviously, if they're doing something else, like looking at their phone while they're talking to you, that's surely a bad sign. Or, um, you know, yeah. this. Yeah, this, fidgeting. Now, obviously, good educators realize that some of it is not true. A kid could fidget just because that's the way they are, even though that's the only way they pay attention. But um, a lot of those subtle uh, cues don't exist when you're in video conferencing. It's not about Zoom, Zoom, FaceTime, you know, Skype, Google Hangouts, Teams, all of them, because all you see mostly is a talking head, especially if it's one-on-one, -on -one, that's one thing, but if you have a class, so 25 people, so you see all these little 25 Brady Bunch, you know, the classic Brady Bunch style view that you get to see, and, you, and, and there's a delay the video quality is not as good as face-to-face. -face. And part of it is because what Zoom does so amazingly is it actually compresses your video in order to make it you know, come across as not being completely not watchable. But in the process, it's not the same resolution as real life. And you might not be able to realize that consciously, but your subconscious realizes it tremendously. And yeah. the sound, there could be a slight delay. Like the reason why... Latency. The reason why in Zoom, one of the biggest no-nos, I'm sure if you've had a family gathering, especially with maybe your parents or grandparents, um, with older people, you know, hopefully you've been able to do that. Um, and none of them know how to mute their microphone. And, and you realize that Zoom doesn't handle multiple Family meetings. How about corporate conference calls? Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> At least then, like, I'm the host of every big meeting in, 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 in Yeshiva Frisch, and we right. know. We mute everyone and only unmute you because you can't. In, in a crowded room, you could have that cocktail party effect where everyone's talking, but you're only focusing on one person. Right. In Zoom, that just noise. It doesn't work. So that's kind of one piece of it, that the technology, now it could be the technology gets better, and some of this is less so, but that's years away, and it'll never be the same. But then there's something else that we're experiencing, which I think the microevolution, specifically for the last couple hundred years. You know, it used to be, I guess, that where you worked and where you lived, and where you went to school could have been all the same place, you know, or closely connected to each other and mm -hmm. home life and work life if you had a family farm or whatever you were doing. But for most of us, we have discrete um, pieces of our life. We have our work persona and we have our home persona. And some of that is kind of good, it's nice. I commute a half hour to work, I drive. I don't live in, in Bergen County. Um, I actually like the commute because it gives me some time to myself. If it was an hour or two, that would be crazy. But a half hour seems like enough time to decompress, listen to some wonderful podcasts, OU Live and others. Um, but, the there you go. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I realized I can't I can't listen to the radio. It just makes me too depressed. But podcasts are awesome. Um, but but I felt enough, that I've been feeling that way for years. By the way, yeah, 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 COVID, yeah, so. absolutely. So, but not not enough time that you know enough time to kind of go into that other persona. So the problem is that we have no work life balance now. When we're we, we we work and we live in the same place in the same bedroom, I might have a desk and a fake virtual background, and I have my bed. And our kids are the same way, and 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 that's hard. Undoubtedly, and yeah. so but, I could give some suggestions. Beyond the diagnosis, yeah, uh, just someone's yeah. watching and they're watching their kids struggle. Yeah. So, so we understand why they're struggling, but how do you? Help yeah, them so over two pieces. So as far as the work-life balance, the key is to make some type of schedule. You know, obviously, you know, and we recognize this and schools recognize this, that kids are going to wake up later in this situation, um, but they need to wake up. They need to get out of bed. Um, you know, we have a rule in fresh that you're not allowed to Zoom from your bed. Um, I know kids want to be in their bedroom and their high school kids who we deal with, their bedroom is kind of like their castle. So let them be in their bedroom you know, maybe um, don't infringe on their space, but make them be at a desk. It's also good for the eyes. You know, you want to have the computer a little bit away from you. Um, get dressed in the morning. Don't just be in your pajamas. You know, all the funny memes of people who they thought they could only get dressed from the waist up and then something happens. Um, but but it's not just about that. It's about the fact that when you when you get out of bed, when you get dressed, when you dive in, when you have a seder to your yom, when you have an order to your day, it makes you dis you know have that discreet. Now I'm in work school mode. I'm not in. In, in waking up mode anymore. Now I'm in play mode. So that's one piece, the schedule. And the second piece, just as important, is there has to be a lot of screen time now. But when you're not Zooming for class, don't be on a screen. You know, we just bought a trampoline. So my daughter would go outside, my 10-year-old, and jump up and it? down. I don't know, my wife figured out. I mean, she bought it like probably in March okay. and it arrived like, last week finally and and because because when it now it's may and the weather is mostly good um get outside get off the screens you know get into the sun the sun is great for great for this you know if you're in the city at least be by a window try to do something to not just be on the screen all day long it's not healthy and that's from a tech guy like me right. you know i'm telling you that <laughs> So, boy, um, sound advice. I'm actually, I like, I'm writing notes down for myself. Like, maybe we should have a room in the house, it's the school room. Maybe that actually would, would change things a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, great. But if you have, I mean, Baruch Hashem, I have five kids. So, uh, a school room wouldn't really work. So, but if you can, if you could give, I think what's important is to try to get, and I think all we have done this, every kid, should have their place for school. It could be one kid the dining room table, and one kid the bedroom sitting at a desk, and one kid the basement, and one kid's outside. That's but a great thing. Identify that, that that's my school. Identify class. the best place for them to be in class, and it doesn't mean silent kids in straight rows. It could be jumping, standing up is the best way. That's one of the good things. One of the positives of this is that kids can learn 
um, at least as far as body language and position, the way they learn best. No one's saying, sit down quietly. I mean, my classes are never like that. I don't, I get scared when my students are too quiet. It means they're up to something. Uh, one of my, one of my friends went to, from high school, I remember, um, went to West Point and he told me that they're allowed to walk around in class. I thought that was, that was wild. Wow. But yeah, but the, the whole idea of having kids sit in rows is, is such a, you know, for Cox, it, it doesn't yeah. work, but, yeah. um, and then we just medicate them. So, okay, but that's, that's <laughs> for another sure. conversation <laughs> for another time. Um, Everyone should, uh, you know, talk to their uh, their own medical health professional. But yeah, it's true. Um, people people can do their own thing, and they can walk around. And I see, um, you know, think oh, we have tablets. The kids walking around the tablets and um, and getting a little bit more uh, more blood circulating. Rabbi, people want to find you online. They want to know more about you, learn from you, um, read your stuff. Where can they find you? Okay, great question. Um, I have a blog. Um... I don't blog as often as I'd like, but techrov.blogspot.com. You can find me at Twitter at techrov, T-E-C-H-R-A-V. Um, you, you can look for me on Facebook. I'm just Svi Patinsky, um, T-Z-V-I-P-I-T-T-I-N-S-K-Y. And you can look at me at, you know, at Frisch. If you go you know, search for Frisch online, you'll find me as well, probably. Um, Robert Patinsky, thank you so much for cutting the time out to join us. You're welcome. Thank you. This was a great conversation. Uh, I'll see you soon. Ha. Huh. Cool. Uh, a lot of important takeaways for me, anyway. Um, you're noticing I still have not uh, done anything about my post-Lag Ba'omer or for us Faradim Lag Ba'omer existence. Um, I said soon. I'm actually thinking of uh, giving all of my kids um, like like an upfront for ABBA, like they can each take a shot <laughs> at me. Um, that video could go viral. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll uh, make it in for my favorite social media thing of the week. In the meantime, please uh, stay safe, stay sane, and I'll see you soon.